1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
0: Support for this show is brought to you by Tarcher Peregrine, publisher of Life Lessons. The new book of affirmations by Julia Cameron, the best-selling author of The Artist's Way. Buy life lessons wherever books are sold.
1: From Spirituality and Health Magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Mariano Sigman. He's the author of The Secret Life of the Mind, How Your Brain Thinks, Feels, and Decides. Dr. Sigmund is a physicist by training and a leading international figure in the cognitive neuroscience field, and he is a leader in the study of learning and decision-making. He is the founder of the Integrative Neuroscience Laboratory at the University of Buenos Aires and a director of the Human Brain Project. A review of Secret Life of the Mind appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine mariano sigmund welcome to essential conversations thank you so much so i have the book in front of me i went through the book and the only thing that you and i have in common is we both have a brain other than that i don't (laughs) the book was like wow there is so much more to at least to to your brain than mine that's that's for sure so i really want to jump right into this and uh ask you to to keep this as close to the ground as possible, because I will get lost. And I want to start... That's what I'd like to do. I want to start with just the, the title. So, The Secret Life of the Mind, and then the subtitle is How Your Brain Thinks, Feels, and Decides. Is there a difference in your mind between the mind and the brain?
2: Well, I mean, this we could spend the entire twenty minutes on this. I mean, humanity philosophers have spent have spent years and years and centuries on this question on, on the mind brain issue. Um, I, I like. I mean, I'm, I'm a neuroscientist, but but I think that the majority of us actually are not so concerned about the biology of the brain, how it's made of neurons and synapses and how they wire to each other but the result of all this process in terms of of what we feel what we think how we love how we decide and so on and that's what we intuitively refer as the mind it's 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 the collective uh, mental experiences that we do have and and of course as a neuroscientist i think that there is a direct link between brain activity what happens in the brain and what we experience in our own minds, but of course those are different levels of descriptions. We can we can study the mind without digging within the brain, and can study the brain, forgetting about the mind. I'm somehow, somehow interested in the in the connection between these things. How how what goes on in our brains then has to do with what we experience in our own minds.
1: So, is, am I am I on track if I suggest that the mind is an emergent Property of the brain, it you know the brain reaches a certain level of con- uh, of complexity. Yeah,
2: this would be a way. So, so I mean, the, the mind historically we've we've known that the mind has something to do with 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 the brain, although it's also been linked to the heart, and and now we think that that it's it's related to all what goes on in our body and, and physiological experiences. So yeah, I, I think that that I would wait to put that up would be to say that that and and Essentially, in, in the last 20 or 30 years, um, our investigation of the mind has changed completely because now we have the ability to look within the brain, which before we couldn't do. So it's a bit like humanity has looked at the sky for, for centuries, but then we had a telescope and then we could see things that, that were invisible before that. And, and now somehow we can, we can dig into the human brain in real time and seeing how this 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 very complex pattern of of neural activity like like a sync like a symphony of neurons that are playing different different tunes actually do relate to the experiences that we have how is how the brain organizes when we make risky decisions how the brain organizes when we're lying how the brain organizes when uh, we feel nervous or when we feel anxious and this has given us i think a different level of understanding of ourselves, of our own introspection, of our own minds.
1: Mm. You know, in, in the book you write, as uh, a short quote, you say, the brain is capable of observing and monitoring its own processes in order to control them, inhibit them, if, uh, sh- and I'm uh, sorry, I'm adding my commentary here, in order to control them, inhibit them, shape them, halt them, or simply manage them. Why do you think anything more than that is necessary you know why why is self awareness evolutionary um, why is that a benefit why you know if the brain can monitor all these things why does it need me
2: yeah well it doesn't i think and 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 essentially we 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 could function equally i think i think this this is this is one of the hardest hardest questions in evolution there are many things that, that, that appear in, or, or have evolved throughout the course of evolution that are not needed. So evolution is, of course, not a perfect machinery that develops all pieces that are strictly needed for things. So some are epiphenomenons of, of other things. So one thing that, that's needed within the brain and that has given, I think, human behavior a huge advantage is this ability that we have to observe ourselves. Not all animals do that, and and this is this has to do with I think that there are two two, two clear uh, moments of our experiences where, where this is this is quite clear. One is 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 dreaming. During dreaming, essentially, we are playing our own reality, but it's 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 detached from from real experience. So it's a bit. And and the other situation is is play, when we are just role playing or simulating or thinking how it would be if. We would do that or the other thing so this ability that we have to somehow detach from the present and simulate our own experience in dreams in narratives in fiction in 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 play is is something which is quite human not exclusively human but quite human and i think and most science or many scientists would agree that it's it's very much related to what then what we perceive as consciousness it's a brain that somehow can simulate itself just to be able to live experiences in fiction that are somehow unrelated from a concrete real everyday experience but This said, I think that, I mean, this is only a partial answer to your question, because the hard question which you ask is, we could do all that without having the experience of the self, without having the sense of consciousness. And and I think that this is true. Many, many neuroscientists, and I include within them, think that in a way consciousness is a sort of illusion. It's an epiphenomenon of a process of the brain being able to observe itself that then has led to to what we now feel and experience as consciousness. And it may also be true, and this is something that's that's also changed quite a lot during the last years in the way we think consciousness, that the way we think of consciousness has not always, it's it's not essentially a virtue of human thought, that consciousness may have changed a lot throughout different cultures and throughout the the way we we experience our self-consciousness. Throughout our development and even throughout different moments of our lives, we've all had moments in which we have because of very stressful experience or or doing a high fever confusion or people that go through a, a, a experience with drugs or, or 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 different ways in which people have experienced very, very different forms of consciousness. So so maybe consciousness is not as as a strong construct as as we Think in in this moment of our societies.
1: How do you you know? I, I've read a lot of neuroscientists who deal with this issue of consciousness from maybe the point of view of of meditation practice and. Yeah, I mean, I, I can become aware through different meditation practices or even just sitting and, and talking with you. I, I, I'm aware of my mind or my brain. Let's not do mind. Let's say I'm aware of my brain thinking all kinds of things that are completely irrelevant to the conversation you and I are having triggered by what's mm-hmm. going on you know, around me, looking out my window, mm-hmm. seeing different things. and mm-hmm. And I'm aware of those thoughts. But the thoughts just seem to happen Emotions just seem to to happen. I mean, it seems like my brain thinks the way an ocean waves or the way the wind blows or the sun shines. It's just something that it does. And yet, as you were saying just a moment ago, I can observe it. And I'm wondering if you have a, this is, and this is my, my theory, and I'm going to ask you to just comment on it. I wonder if that sense of disconnect, I'm not saying it's real, but it feels real, that I can observe my own thoughts, gives rise to the notion that there's a non-material me, a, a, a soul, if you want, or spirit, or something that is beyond the brain, that can observe the brain and and observe what the brain is doing but that doesn't need the brain and if the brain dies or when the brain dies that observer me can survive physical death i'm not asking you if you believe that i'm asking you if you think that's where that idea of surviving death might come from
0: want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit join artist susie k edwards for path of the butterfly
2: it's it's many questions in one i think first the the idea that, that that the brain is 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 constantly producing thoughts and imagery and fiction and narrative and i think this is very essential to the way we understand the brain so the brain is not just a passive machine that's or a passive organ that's somehow reacting to the environment it's it's constructing its own reality and this this is i think very very and again we can, can come back to the idea of dreams, which, which which is an exaggeration of that, where you just you know you close your eyes and you go for what seems to be a rest, and then the brain starts producing thoughts as, again, as it's as an ocean that's moving and, and producing its own patterns. Now, when w- typically we 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 alternate uh, between in as you were saying during during a conversation, uh, the brain is is moving on and off from from external stimuli from now now what you're hearing and what I'm saying and what you're listening or what you're seeing and its own creations. And somehow these things are are fused in a in a in a cohesive reality. This is not always true again. So for instance one idea which I, I, I go through in, in the book and which I also sketched in, in a TED talk which I gave is that 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 when when this breaks down so when people start producing these voices but they do not recognize that they are producing these voices then the most likely interpretation is that these voices are 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 just coming from from the muses or from the gods or 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 from creations and and this is a bit what today we would recognize as a schizophrenia. So what, what I'm I'm trying to present here, which I think it's quite a different idea, is that when people think of schizophrenia, they think, well, they're making all sorts of hallucinations and weird mental creations. What I'm trying to say now is that we all make these mental creations. The difference we have, or the majority of normal people have with schizophrenics, is that they recognize that they're creating these own, their own thoughts. And so they don't seem that weird, and they can control it, and they can somehow mold them and fuse them with the reality that they're living. So I think that that we uh, need to find this equilibrium between the uh, mental creations and productions that the brain is constantly making. It's the the, the brain is a machine that never halts. You know, our computers we turn them off and then they're off for like two days and then on back again. The brain never stops not during sleep, not during not during I mean it's constantly making Productions and these productions have to do with the experience that we reconstruct. How this relates to death, uh, I I really don't know. I think that this is um, I I it's it's something that I think I, I, I don't have a good explanation on on how this relates to our experience of of feeling alive and or uh, or 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 not or or the feeling of death. That I don't
1: know. Okay. I mean, yeah. And I wasn't asking you what happens when we die. I'm just listening to you and reading the book. I got the sense that it's natural for us to feel some kind of internal alienation or separation because I can watch my brain at work. And we take that watcher so literally that we imagine it is unattached to the body. Um, yeah, and the
2: question is who's who's watching and where's that, the thing being watched. For, for one thing, we perceive our thoughts as being in our heads, and our thoughts are not in our heads. I mean, our brain is in our head, but our thoughts, whatever they are, I mean, they could be elsewhere, and and often i mean there's an interesting uh, many of these things become interesting when when the mind goes on 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 weird corners and an interesting one is what what's called uh, out-of-body experiences right and i think this goes very straight on 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 what you're saying this is an experience that that some people do feel normally and 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 it's induced again often by by strong psychedelic drugs which is that that people do observe themselves outside of from a perspective which is out, outside of their bodies. And so the two pieces that you're saying, the eye observing and the eye being observed, which of course normally is the same eye that fuses in one, actually decouple completely in this in this again weird reconstruction of consciousness.
1: Now, I think that that may be have a lot to do with where where religion comes from. Because I think people see that as this, they take it as a actual phenomenon. Well, it is a phenomenon, but they take it as a reality beyond, um, you know, what they beyond beyond the natural, but it's somehow a supernatural thing. You know, earlier you you well, it's actually right in the in the title of the book. How your brain thinks, feels, and decides is the subtitle. The title is the secret life of the mind. I just want to talk a little bit about decision making. Because in the book, you make a big deal out of the unconscious. You talk about the study that shows that the, the brain seems to decide things before my conscious mind is aware of it. You know, if I'm going to lift my right arm, it seems that my right arm, my brain knew I was going to do it before I actually did it and then decided and then told myself a story about, oh, I lifted it for a reason. Do you have a sense or what, what's your personal sense of free will?
2: I think, um, okay. So so, so to put this, I mean, again, a short thing, I I think, I think, I think my, my own take, and I I don't have a huge confidence on that. It's not, but is that there's no free will in the sense that we think that there's free will, but we should act as if there would be free will because, because this is this, I mean, acting in the moment that there's that you accept. So if, if you take the premise from, from physicists that, that life is made of matter and eventually this matter becomes very complicated and and gets on very weird thermodynamic, thermodynamic states that actually are autocatalytic and so on, and you have life from there on and simple life and, and things that years and centuries ago would seem very complicated, like creating life from matter, now are possible. I... Wouldn't think that it's completely impossible that we could play with matter on a way that we can reconstruct something which is as sophisticated as we are. Actually, we are now building in intelligences that are are that are somehow as sophisticated as ourselves. So, so I, I do not see a, 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 a conflict between a, a deterministic interpretation of matter and what we are. And and of course, this raises a big issue because we all have. A strong illusion that we are the responsible,s and we are the authors of our own decisions, and and so I, I, th- I think I, I, somehow uh, that that we do not need, at least for the science that we are creating, to call for a different sort of particle than the particles of matter that we have today. Now, this is this is this is one one path of reflection. If you if you go very straight on that, then you go to a point which is, I think, very dangerous socially, because essentially you lose the notion of responsibility. When you, when when there's free will, you have a, an agent that potentially could choose different paths of action. If you think that 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 everything has been written as a, as a pinball of very complicated and sophisticated pinball, on which all of our experiences are just an illusion, then there's essentially nothing that you can fight for or nothing that you can try to change throughout your life experience. And on a way, first it's very sad because because we, we just have very meaningless experiences. And second, I think that it leads to societies that are on a way much worse in, in every, essentially every single sense that 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 we can think about our society. So so again, short short answer is is maybe there is free will, but I think that that for all what we know the most likely interpretation is that free will is an illusion, but I think it's an illusion we should hold to. And, and, and if the science tells us that free will is an illusion, then that's doesn't mean at all. I think that, that, that the reaction from that should be that then we should construct a society that, that tries to, deny this illusion the other way around we should we should give credit to this illusion because it's i think it's a very healthy one for our social and and and, and spiritual and, and 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 mental life
1: well i tell you mariano if i had free will i would talk with you for another 20 minutes but unfortunately i don't i am driven by the clock so we are out of time this is, and I realize I asked huge questions and you were, did a great job trying to, you know, get to the, the heart of it. I really appreciate that very much.
2: Thank you very much. I love talking about these things. And, and of course, they're, they're very complicated. And they're the questions that we'll, we'll try to answer for many more, more years and centuries, I guess. So those are, of course, only partial. Uh, yeah, answers, I mean, the, but, but the, we, we have fun answering them at least.
1: Well, and I appreciate, yeah, and I appreciate listening to you do it. Our guest today uh, was Mariano Sigmund. His new book, The Secret Life of the Mind, How Your Brain Thinks, Feels, and Decides, is reviewed in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about his work at the Integrative Neuroscience Lab's website, neuro.org.ar. Mariano Sigmund, thanks again for speaking with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you so much. Support for Essential Conversations is brought to you by Tarcher Perigree, publisher of Life Lessons, the new book of affirmations by Julia Cameron, the best-selling author of The Artist's Way. You can buy Life Lessons wherever books are sold. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to SpiritualityHealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our program coordinator and executive producer is Al Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on MindBodySpirit.fm.